0: thanks Elijah round of applause for Elijah Um, uh, it's amazing to be with you this morning it really is a great joy and um, I've kind of been working with Elijah he's on our leadership team and uh, there's kind of a bit of a mentoring coaching thing going on there Um, so he said would I come up to Teesside and I said well it's a long way I live in rugby uh, was actually where the game started um, but I came up yesterday and had the pleasure of having a great meal with John Burns who uh, used to we used to work together as friends in youth for Christ and um, it, it 's amazing when friendship comes together kind of everything that you kind of thought oh, it, it all just kicks back in it 's been absolutely amazing what a joy uh, to be with you and It was even better because you paid uh, for the lunch, uh, which was fantastic. Um, So it's a real joy to be here. And um, I also am really excited. This is a dedication um, and uh, it's great. If you're here in church for the very first time, don't get nervous. I'm not going to preach for a long time. I was staying at a B&B and he said to me as I left this morning, I hope your speech goes well. And he said, "Is, is Elijah a Jew? Because Elijah booked the B and I said, "No, he's not a Jew. He's a Christian." And he said, "Oh, and is that? Where, are you speaking at? Where, yeah, I said I'm speaking where Elijah's church is." And he said, "Where that? Is that in Yarm?" And I said, "No, I don't think so." And then we were driving here this morning, and we got lost. I can't believe he did that. He was talking to me, and he said, "Roy, I think we've gone wrong." I'm like, how could you do that? I thought he was sharp. And, uh, and then he says, all right, we can just go back on and, and ourselves and everything. I'm like, anyway, so it's great to be with you. I'm married to my wife. And I have two sons, uh, John and Michael. And I have two grandchildren, Joshua and Caleb. Caleb's five and Joshua's two and a half. And let me tell you, it's a real privilege to be a grandparent. Um, it's a real joy. My wife looks after them two days a week. I don't know how she does it. Uh, it's totally exhaustive. I'm with them for an hour. But she looks after them two days a week. So it's a real joy to be with you. And you're kicking off a series on hope. There's a brochure on your chair, which looks like this, which is just a bit of what we do as a plan for 2020. So it's kind of a bit of a plan on what we'll be doing as churches together right across the nation in 2020. So take one of those away with you as a gift. And we've also written this book called 40 Stories of Hope. And uh, what happened was that uh, we started to link with prisons right across the country. And what we wanted to do was get the church to understand that when you go to prison... Um, it's not hopeless, you can bring hope into these places. So these are stories of people that have encountered Jesus Christ and their life has been totally transformed. So if you would like one of these books, they normally cost £7. But if you can't afford that, come and talk to me and I'll give it to you as a gift and the church can pay. But uh, let me just tell you just one hook into this story. Um, And you know something of all these stories, because we love stories, but stories where people's lives have been changed are absolutely amazing. And uh, 20 years ago, I was living in Gibraltar. My mother had recently died and I was grieving. I was an only child and never knew my dad. I was approached to carry a suitcase from Thailand despite knowing that if I got caught, I would probably be executed. I went, I took the case and was arrested at the airport. The authorities had been tipped off before I even got there. I was given a death sentence, which in Thailand equates to 200 years. I had a five kilo set of chains hammered to my ankles. I had my hair and eyebrows shaved off. I was led off to spend the rest of my life in Bang Kwang Maximum Security Prison. I shared a cell with 40 other chained prisoners for 18 hours a day. With one hole in the floor for a toilet. I was 27 years of age. If you want to find out what happened, you need to read the book. But it's an amazing story and I've met Lee... Uh, who's now free, and the route that that actually happened. So it's in the book. If you like the book, then do please, uh, there's some over there, and you can just connect in that way. If you have a Bible, I'm going to just read to you a few passages, uh, a few pieces out of God's Word. And the reason for that, very simply, is that I am convinced that the Bible is God's Word to us, it, it's actually living, it, it, it carries weight. We did a piece of research just recently called Talking Jesus and what we discovered is 27% of people in the UK became a Christian in other words they became a follower of Jesus, they accepted Jesus Christ into their life just as a result of reading the Bible. So the Bible has tremendous power and authority. We also discovered that from, from that research that 43% of people in the UK believe Jesus rose from the dead now it doesn't mean they've experienced the power of the resurrection but they believe he rose from the dead so when people come to an easter service they're coming believe Jesus rose from the dead they may not have experienced that but they're coming because they believe that Jesus rose from the dead isn't that amazing because we think everybody's against us we also found in that research that 67% of people in the UK that means in Teesside that means in this area which is called Thornaby 67% of people know a Christian they're either friend or family that's massive And we then asked a subsequent question. If you know a Christian, what do you think of that Christian? Isn't that a good question? And guess what? They like us. They think we're amazing. They think we're fun. Turn to the person next to you and say, You're fun, really. They think we're generous. Because they know, whatever you may read in the newspapers and everything else, they know that it's the Christian community that does street pastors. They know it's the Christian community that does food bank. They know it's the Christian community that gives meals to kids that won't get meals. They know that's what the Christian community does. And that's why they recognise what we do. The big challenge for the Church of Jesus Christ is to see those people from that relationship that we know as friends and family, then see them encounter the presence of his spirit and be changed by his power. That is the critical thing. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning is just a very simple verse found in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, and it's verse 19. And it says there that hope is an anchor for our lives. Hope is an anchor for our lives. So how do you get hope into your life? How do you get hope where you're dealing with a situation which is really difficult, really tough, really a struggle? Well, the only way that will happen is if your future looks a lot better than your present. Let me tell you a story about two characters that were both employed. I love stories. And these two guys were employed doing the same thing. What they were kind of doing was putting widgets on a widget, which is not the most exciting job. And uh, they go there every single day. But one of them, at the end of their time, at the end of a year, was going to be paid £10,000. Not a massive salary, but £10,000. He found the job boring, found it difficult, found it a struggle. But the other one, at the end of the year, was going to be paid 10 million pounds. The guy that was being paid 10 million pounds, as he was putting the widgets on the widgets, he even sung at work. Because his future, he knew, was going to be totally different to what he was experiencing in the present. And what you need to understand is when you experience this Jesus in your life, it will impact on the way you view life in the present situation. You see, hope has the ability to do that. And where do we find this hope? Where does hope come from? Well, in this particular passage, it refers back to a situation with Abraham and Sarah. Now that's a couple in the Old Testament. And Abraham and Sarah, they were given a promise by God. And this particular promise, the only way it was going to happen was a miracle. Because Abraham was an old, old man. Now when I say old, he was 99 years old. We're talking Zimmer frame old. We're talking old. Sarah was of exactly the same age. And God said to them, I'm going to give you a promise and the promise is this, that through your seed, in other words, through you, Abraham, you are going to father all the nations of the world, nation of Israel. And as he heard that promise, he was unsure, can I trust this promise? But because of the person who gave the promise, he knew it would be fulfilled. But his wife, it actually says that his wife laughed because she was pretty old and she was going to give birth to, and you would probably laugh if that was the case. But because of the person that gave the promise, let me tell you something this morning, whatever you're facing, whatever you may be going through, I want you to know that Jesus' promise to you is I will give you hope in whatever hopeless situation you find yourself. Because my promise is fulfilled in what I did by laying myself down on a cross to demonstrate my love for you. And what I did was I rose from the dead, so broke the power of death so the reason there's hope is because of the fact of the resurrection. That's why it's full of hope because this Jesus that I'm talking to you is not dead. If you're a Christian, say amen. amen. This Jesus is alive. That's why I have hope for the future. It's because of the fact of the resurrection. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, but it's the fact of the resurrection that brings hope. You cannot live in a culture where there's no hope. You cannot live in a situation where there is no hope. Something dies within us. I uh, study leadership. I study companies. I I love to do all of that. And one of the things that I've started to look at is why companies fail. And uh, you you may have heard, now this dates me a little bit. There used to be a company called Blockbusters. Blockbusters. They used to sell videos. Anybody remember that? Um, I actually, this is just to show how old I am. When I was at school, my nickname was Arthur. Now, not many people are laughing, which is a good sign, because it means you're all young. But when I was growing up, we had a coin, and it was a half-crown. My surname is Crown. So I was known as Arthur Crown. That's where I got the name Arthur from. When we had our first child, I remember a good friend of mine ringing me and saying, Roy, if it's a girl, you'll need to call her Roseanne. Roseanne Crown. Bit slow, maybe it's a northern thing. Um, but so I was called Alpha Crown. And blockbusters was during that either, and, and they used to have a whole series of videos where you go and buy. But during their process, Netflix was coming. But because they made twelve percent on late returns, they wouldn't adjust their strategy because they were scared of the future. And didn't see hope in the future. And in the end, hope was lost from their present situation. And as a company went bust. Because Netflix came in and took them over. Let me give you another story. Kodak. Kodak used to produce photographs. And uh, you'd you'd basically have this camera. And then you'd have to put your film in. Are you still with me? You put your film in. And then you get your photograph sent back. Let me tell you something, Kodak invented the digital camera. Their researchers came up with the digital camera, but they were making too much money on paper that they wouldn't accept the digital camera, so they sold the patent on, and in two years they went completely bust, because once the patent was out, digital cameras took over and Kodak you don't hear of anymore. The reason for that very simply is unless you have hope in the future, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't impact in your present. When you have hope for the future, your experience of the present is completely different. So what I want to say to you this morning is this Jesus that I'm talking about, you can experience today. However hopeless you may feel, or you may be full of hope, you can experience this Jesus today. And let me tell you what will happen in your experience now. You'll be given hope for the future, a promise, certain because Jesus died and he rose again. That's a fact. So death is not the end for you. But secondly you will experience forgiveness you will experience the presence of his spirit and you will experience a brand new life but the way that happens is you've got to trust him you've got to actually take a step of faith you see the promise that was fulfilled to Abraham and Sarah they had to believe the promise Jesus has done all of this he can do no more you must believe the promise You must accept that what he did was for you. Let me tell you how that works. There were two seven-year-old kids in the playground at school. And these two seven-year-old kids, one was a girl, one was a boy. And the girl had ten chocolate sweets. But as she saw these ten chocolate sweets, she thought, I'm not going to eat these ten chocolate sweets it's going to give me it's going to affect my complexion it's probably not healthy elijah is into health let me tell you it is scary this lad is into health i mean look at him he looks sharp the reason for that is he's paranoid about health he needs to be set free actually he's got it bad he really has it bad he needs to chill a bit and have a few more chips and just just relax a bit and trust god so um, but this girl she thought I'm not going to eat these 10 sweets but there was a lad on the playground and I'm really pleased that this is coming back who had 10 marbles and uh, he was playing with his marbles and he loved his marbles he had good these are kind of glass balls if you know what I'm talking about the glass balls they've got colour in them and um, anyway the girl and the boy had a conversation and this seven year old girl said listen I will give you all of my sweets for all of your marbles. So he thought about it. He was a bit suspicious. Knew a bit of the Bible, Eve, all of that. So he was a bit concerned. (laughs) But he thought, okay, let's tomorrow decide whether we're going to do this. And he went home that night. And as he went home that night, let me tell you what he did. A little nagging question in his mind. She doesn't know how many marbles I've got. The time of the transaction came and they met on the playground and as they met on the playground, she had all of her 10 sweets. She put them in a bag and there was a transaction. She was going to drop the bag into his hand. He was going to drop the marbles into her hand. But he counted out his 10 marbles and he thought, I'm only going to give her seven So he gave her seven. And they did the transaction. And as they did the transaction, she walked away totally satisfied. He walked away with one nagging question. And the nagging question was, I wonder if she gave me all of her sweets. You see, in the end, you have to trust God. And in trusting God, you trust him with your life. You trust him with everything. You will never be certain of the hope if you keep other stuff. And you're like, yeah, I'll have a bit of God, a bit of this, a bit of that, but I'm not really going to trust him. God says, no. The promise has been fulfilled. I want you to be full of hope. I want you to be a person of hope. I want you to be people of hope. I want you in a broken society where it's crazy and Brexit and everything else. I want you to be a person of hope because you believe in the resurrection and you believe, you know, the end of the story. And in the light of that, I experience in the present hope because I have a hope in the future. Amen? That's the gospel. But the only way you do that is through a transaction. And the transaction is you give him your life. The transaction is he calls you by name. The transaction is his love for you is real. The transaction is he laid down his life for you. The transaction is he's done all he can. But what you've got to do is trust him. So what you do is you give him your life. At the age of 16, I became a Christian. It was the scariest moment of my life from the east end of London and I surrendered, I actually knelt and I encountered the Holy Spirit in my life, I encountered forgiveness, I encountered his presence and it totally changed my life. You can experience that this morning. So what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to say a prayer and maybe you've never prayed and a, a prayer is just Like I'm talking to you, but it's talking to God who is present with us by his spirit. And I'm going to invite you, if you've never trusted, totally given your life to the God who created you. I'm going to invite you this morning in this place. You may be here for the dedication. You may be here for... uh, Some other reason, God's brought you here for a purpose. It's so that you can experience hope in the present, knowing you've got a hope in the future. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And then after that, I would just like you to communicate with me that you've done that. And the way I'm going to do that is just as after we pray, just lift your hand to me and just say, yeah, right. I prayed with you this morning. And then after the service or whatever this is or wherever we're going to go after this, just I'd love you to come and tell me or Elijah or someone that you know here to say, I trusted him. I took a step of faith. I said that prayer. And let me tell you, you'll become one of these stories of hope. Because these are the most broken people. And they've experienced God's hope in hopeless situations. And God has turned it around and brought good from it. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for bringing me here this morning. Thank you that you know me by name. Thank you that you know everything that's happened in my life up until this point and I'm sorry I've messed up. Thank you for dying for me. I ask you now to come into my life. Change me. Give me hope. Fill me with joy and peace. I pray that things will be different from this moment. In Jesus' name, thank you for hearing my prayer. Keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that for the first time, just put your hand up. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? great. We'll connect after and uh, talk and pray with you. God bless you. Thank you for giving me the privilege of uh, sharing with you. Amen.